This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, and here I am, stuck with, again, a South Sydney fan with a shit-eating grin. Yep, and joining us, pod debut, uh, News Corp Rugby League journalist Martin Gabor. Welcome. Hello. Am I the clown or the joker in this scenario, Campbell? Question mark. That, remain, that remains to be seen. Mm. But you're right. you're the you're the you're the the punt master general. You're the press box prince, man. You're the <laughs> once and future king of Bathurst. So I think you'll be okay on this one. I feel like I'm one of those 300 American players from the Utah Saints and the other clubs that were going to come over if all the players boycotted. I'm the last man standing. <laughs> it's me. And you would go against the unions, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. Firmly That's how I got the job at News Corp. Do you hate unions? <laughs> yep, you're in. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, you so hate we unions? are. Yes. Have you seen Succession? No, you're in, son. <laughs> Good. So we are. We are trying to hopefully get a few more guests on for for these weekly shows as as the season progresses. And Marty, a huge, obviously a huge rugby league mind, massive Storm fan. Um, and yeah, been been been. Been trying to get him on for a couple of weeks. Schedules didn't line up. Today they did. So we are here and we will start with last night's game. South Sydney 20, Penrith 18. Uh, South's win against Penrith for just the second time in the last, I think, 412 games, Nick, I think was the stat. It's the second time this millennium, yes. Yes. Okay, good. Um, uh, A game that was well and surely dead and buried when Stephen Crichton, who I hate so much (laughs) and can't wait till he goes to the Bulldogs so he can't hurt me anymore, scored his third try of the night uh, to make it 18-10 with just a handful of minutes left. But Marty, the grand old club said no. Not this time. <laughs> it had to happen, didn't it? I mean, what, once, twice, thrice, whatever, the next four eyes. Nobody beats the South Sydney Rabbitohs 29 yeah. times in a row. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Doesn't Except the happen. Storm. Well, well, we'll get, well, we won't get to that. and you, You've dodged the bullet there. Just incredible. I don't think, I, I'm struggling to remember the last time a team, or Penrith was up by, what, eight with five to go, and they just didn't get the job done. And it was Crazy, because, like, in that final five minutes, I reckon they had four chances as well. Like, it wasn't just South got lucky with bang, bang. Yeah. Like, the kick, Cleary has to come up with two epic try savers. He couldn't do it the third time. And then Cody, who's had so many great moments against Penrith, but unfortunately, always rem- rem- everyone just remembers that one pass. And this time, he produces the flick. Some saying the best ever flick at that stadium. Not me, I'm gonna say Benji. <laughs> but it came off and and they did it, the little team that could. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what was what was crazy to me. So we were all out there last night. Me and Marty were were working, Bungar was there as a punter. What was crazy was in that first seventy five minutes, I felt like it was playing out like every single Yeah, the exact carbon game. copy. Yeah, like there was the the Panthers scoring just before halftime for for the third game in a row, which is insane. There's Souths having the better of nearly the entire first half, but not having the points on the board to show for it. There's Stephen Crichton playing a blinder, and and you know coming up with plays that look like match winners. At one point, I turned to an NRL official in the press box and I said, "Mate, you got to get better script writers because they're out of they're out of ideas for these two. And he gave me a knowing glance because obviously they're not out of ideas and. I, I think what really what really saves South Sydney in this one, and Jason Dimitri mentioned it in the press conference after the game, 
He said that it would be, I'm paraphrasing you, but he pretty much said it would be a mistake for Souths to get into that set for set grind with Penrith and just get stuck playing one out footy because that's not really South Sydney's game. And that plays towards Penrith's greater strengths. Like South Sydney's strength, as simplistic as it sounds, is playing footy all the time. Keep throwing stuff at Penrith, keep throwing shape at them, you know, throw some passes, throw some offloads, back up and support and 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 keep trying to attack rather than just, just sort of trying to settle down and out grind them. And in the end, that's why they were able to win the game because they were able to keep reloading. They were able to keep sort of playing with that kind of inspiration that we know that they have, you know? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, mate. I think that particularly the, the the one thing I did think that was different, even even though the rest of the thing still went to script with the with the Stephen Crichton try and half time and South having no lead to show for their dominance. I did think for maybe the first time in this entire rivalry, the forward pack of South actually stood up and matched it with Penrith for the most part. It wasn't like the last four or five games where, and they still did it a couple of times, but it wasn't literally like where every single Penrith set ends with Nathan Cleary putting up an attacking bomb from like 35 or 40 meters out. They actually did a reasonably good job at containing Penrith in some of those sets a lot of the time. They did a better job on those early early set yardage runs than they have done in the past. And as a result, they were forcing Cleary to kick from, you know, 45, 50, 55 meters away from the trial and rather than 35, 40. And I think the other part of that was that it gave Tane Milne a little bit of an easier time of it. I don't think that he was ever really truly tested by one of those like trademark Cleary swirlers. There was a couple of nasty ones that went up, but even when they did, the kick chase wasn't as good as it normally is because they were kicking from, from further out. So with with that in mind, I thought, you know, Souths had really controlled the game well. Uh, the only thing I was annoyed about at 6-0 was, A, they hadn't scored enough points, and B, that they hadn't taken that two at the start of the game at nil all, which, given the way these games always go between these two teams, I thought was a particularly bizarre decision. Like, you couldn't have possibly thought it was going to end as, like, a 34-32 shootout. But anyway, uh, but then, of course, Crichton gets that try on halftime, Marty, and at that point, I, I imagine that you, like everybody else in the stadium, just assumed that Penrith would just kick away and win. Absolutely. And just to your point, Campo, about sticking at it, I remember the game last year, I think, where Cleary was suspended. South Sydney terrorised Penrith in the first half, made about six or seven line breaks, shifting it left early in sets as well, mm. to spread the ball, even if it meant errors. But then they gave up on that in the second half. I think either the errors or fatigue just got to them. But last night, they just kept at it, kept at it, didn't go away. And I think, to your point, Bungard, the forwards... Shout out to Jai Arrow. Starts Great in the game. Middle, shifts to the edge, goes back to the middle. The only time he comes off is for an HIA. And then he runs back onto the field when they score to celebrate. So I don't know if he actually passed that one or not, but who <laughs> um, But they you were gotta, amazing. How do you spell H- how do you spell HIA? <laughs> T-R-Y. That's exactly how you right, That's mate. Right. Four points. And mate, they had the four big forwards and they just it meant everyone was fresh. Like Tom Burgess, I think he did. He came on in the first half, and he still came off before halftime. It just meant they always had an arsenal ready to go with fresh bodies, mm. and that's what you need against Penrith because, you know, they're not going to stop. So you need the bodies, and, and you're right, mate. Once Crichton scored, I think you were saying it last night, Campo, third game in a row, 40th minute. First it was the Stephen Crichton. Well, we've had, what, Hungog earlier this year, or last year in the prelim. Yeah. And then Crichton last night, I mean. Mm. Well, I, I will add when that when he caught that low kick on the full and made like a twenty five meter yeah. break in the second, <laughs> I I where I yelled out no like loudly because <laughs> like if if he went the length of the field again, I think I might have just had to 
not only leave the game, but stop supporting rugby league. Campo, do you think if Penrith had a fullback that works as hard as Latrell Mitchell, they could have won this game? <laughs> well, it kind of hurt. It kind of hurt. Mm. I, so one more quick shout out for the forwards before we get to talking about the big fella. I thought Harme Sele was exceptional to see us. He's a, a bit of an unsung hero for them. He's just a solid guy in the rotation. But for some reason today, like in this game, he really dug deep. 18 runs for 154 metres. The most metres of any South Sydney forward. The second most metres of any forward on the field behind mm. Isaiah Yo. I thought he was the one that really took it to him. And I think you're right, Bungard. This is one of the first times where Penrith hasn't been able to get the better of the middle of the field. And I actually think part of that was because Moses Leota and Spencer Lenu probably needed a couple more minutes. I know they like to use Spencer Lenu as a bit of a fire breather off the bench, but I think with James Fisher-Harris out, they probably need to rely on him and Leota a little bit more. I think Leota only ended up playing about 30 minutes or something, which is very strange for a player mm. of his caliber. But let's get to the main event, the Thick King, Latrell mm. Mitchell. I think oh, I think man. I think this is one of the best games I've ever I've ever seen him play, and not not just because of the spectacular stuff, not just because of the tries or or playing a hand in the um in the game winner as well, but just the way that he was constantly in the match and constantly staying engaged. I thought was just really really impressive. Like the trail's never going to be like James Tedesco, where he runs the ball twenty five times for two thousand seven hundred and fifty four meters and he busts forty eight. Like he's never he's never he's never going to be that, and we shouldn't want him. To be that, but I thought this game was a great example of what a constantly engaged Latrell Mitchell looks like. I think he only ran for about 85 meters in the end, but I never felt like he was out of the game. He was always in first receiver, touching the ball, dishing off to other guys, maybe not running, but threatening to run. And if you're threatening to run, that can that can be enough to put doubt in the defenders' minds. If you get the chance, go back and look in the set in the lead up to the Damian Cook try, because Trell is just absolutely all over it. He fields the kick and slips a crazy offload to someone that gets Souths moving out of their own end, you know, and then mm. he scoops it up from dummy half on the next play and keeps it going. And this is another thing that Dimitri mentioned after the presser, like Trell isn't always someone that we look to, to kind of generate that ruck speed through the middle of the field. We look more for him on the edges to sort of provide that killer touch, but he was doing it all in this game, you know? And I said, I said on Twitter last night that if I was responsible for the Rugby League Week player, player ratings, I would have brought him back for this game. So I'd give mm. Latrell Mitchell a 10. <laughs> a couple of people arced up at me. I'm the person that gave someone an 11 out of 10 in, or, in an origin once. I don't respect you player ratings. That is true. But I thought he was, he, was, he was sensational in this one. I thought it was one of the best games he's ever played. And I think you could tell that from the start, he was really dialed in. He was really locked in. When, you, when he scores that first try, instead of like, you know, carrying on and celebrating a little bit, which he usually does, which is fine, which I love. You have a look at him. He gets up, man. It's nothing but steely eyes. Like he was locked in for this one. He was super pumped up. And yeah, I, I think it's one of the best games I've seen him play. Certainly one of the most complete games I've seen him play. Yeah, there was, I mean, so many classy touches. I mean, that early flick pass that puts Alex Johnson away down the left-hand sideline. He forces a dropout with a grubber kick off his right foot as well. Like he was, when he did that, I was like, oh, well, he's he is feeling himself tonight. And yeah, you're right, mate, because we all know how talented Latrell Mitchell is. We all love Latrell Mitchell, and we all just wish that there would be games like this where he just touched the ball a bit more. And I know that some people tried to say, oh, well, he wouldn't be as effective if he was touching the ball 25 times a game. I don't know how many touches he ended up with in this game, Marty, but every single one of them seemed damn effective to me. Absolutely. And look, I always gauge performances based on what my dad says. He doesn't mind a spicy take. I remember in 2003, uh, as a young kid, he said, should move to the Super League after a few webs. That was Billy Slater. Um, this morning, he said that it was Latrell's best game. And 
I don't know. I reckon it's his best game in the South Sydney jersey. Given the stage, like we've seen him carve up that game against the Dogs. It was great. But against Penrith on a Thursday night, underdogs, this was just, this was, I haven't seen him play like this maybe since the 2018 grand final where he just destroyed Will Chambers in the storm. He was phenomenal. Every touch, as you said, Campo, was just class. And I think it was 29 touches maybe for the game, which okay. maybe doesn't sound a lot, but for Latrell, that is, that is a lot. Um, I've got to ask you, Bungard, were you petrified when he stayed down in the first half? At this point, with how hip drops work, like I don't, I'm so confused now when a guy stays down. I don't know if they're actually hurt or if they're trying to milk a hip drop penalty. I have no idea anymore. Because I think Cody stayed down at one point as well. Although Cody's one did genuinely look like a pretty nasty fall when was it mm. Crichton that rolled over the top of him? Yeah. So yeah, I feared the worst, Marty. But after the last few weeks of hip drop mania, I just don't know anymore. <laughs> I just, I just don't know anymore. But uh, I think that this game will exercise a lot of demons, not just for him, but for a couple other guys, Damian Cook, Cody Walker. They're always the guys that get criticized when South lose a game. I think those guys have all had pretty good performances in big games in the past. I thought that intercept aside, Cody Walker was South's best player in that grand final defeat. But they're the guys that are in the firing line, rightly or wrongly, every time South play the Storm or the Roosters or, or Penrith in a big game and come up short. And uh, the, in this game, I thought all three of them were outstanding. I think Co- Cody... Maybe he was relatively quiet up until that last try, but that's one of the best passes I've ever seen. Cookie gets the open, and Latrell has, as you guys said, probably his best game in, in a red and green jumper. And I know it's only round eight, and I think that this doesn't change anything for how I view Penrith. It doesn't change anything for the trajectory of their season, but I think it does change a lot for Seahawks because at some point when you lose to a team over and over and over and over, it becomes a mental thing as much as anything else. So now that they know that they can grind out a tough win against the Panthers and that their their star men can all play really well and contribute. Um, I think that just changes how they feel about the rest of 2023 going forward, because I know I joke about it a lot on the show, Campo, but I mean, I, I keep joking about how everything will be fine until we have to play Penrith in, in, in the in the finals. But now that they've got that win, maybe the players uh, will hopefully think differently. You could tell uh, at full time how much it meant to them all. Like they, after the game, everybody said, yeah, you know, it's, just another win and it's a long season. It's just good we got the two points and all that. But like seeing them react on the sideline, seeing how the bench was reacting um, when Tass scored that try, seeing how everyone sort of mobbed each other after full time, this was a, a big win for them emotionally, you know? And that's it's something that could pay off down the line if they play Penrith again. I'm, I'm like, we're focusing mainly on Souths here, but like, I don't think anyone's worried about Penrith. Oh, God, no. Of the three games they've lost this year, it's been by a combined five points, you know? And like they were without James Fisher Harris in this one and they they and they really and without Liam mm-hmm. Hutton, I thought they really missed both of them. But I think I think this game was a bit of a measure of Penrith coming back to the pack a little bit. They still might be the best team in the competition, but they're not an all time. Yeah, they're slightly team less anymore. invulnerable than they have been. That's it. That's it. They've I yeah. think they've they've they're they're not they're not the destroyer of worlds that they have been over the past three years, which on the whole, I think is a really, is a really good thing for the competition because I think now we're what eight weeks into the year and there have been a couple of standout teams, but there's no one who looks unbeatable. Like the premiership doesn't look inevitable like it did last year and probably the year before. So that's only, that's only a good thing. I would think. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Liam Martin camp. I thought this was the first game where it was really noticeable. Like they're missing their two star back rowers. Like Zach Hoskins being pretty good 
filling in there, but in a pretty quiet game, actually, he didn't, I think he came off in the first half. Yeah, I was surprised by that, Marty. Like, yeah. Hoskins, I've been quite impressed by Hoskins these first few weeks he's been in the team. I think he came off after about 35 minutes and Salmon went on and that was all she wrote, you know. And yeah. Hoskins got through a lot of work when he was out there. I think he was making close to a tackle a minute. But, yeah, yeah I was, I was like, he's someone who's sort of given them a bit of strike on that right edge as well. I was surprised they didn't go back to him. Yeah, I thought Cleary missed him, like, having someone there. Like, his running game was a bit off. I know he had a bit of a, a groin complaint. And, and Luai just needed, didn't have someone there, which kind of forced him then to take over and run the ball, which is great, because I thought that was one of his better games of the year. Yeah. With that big left foot step. But, yeah, they just missed those, those battering rams on the edges to just give a bit more space. And while Tungo and Luai and, and Crichton obviously had some good games, they just missed that point of difference. And that may have been an area they could have exploited given South without Chloe McTungy, but thought South actually dominated in that area. And yeah, I don't I know you guys have mentioned in the past you moved Tungor there. They just need a solution, especially if Martin's out for a few weeks. You, you can't be going in with well, three, four man rotation in the back row, just not getting involved like they did last night. Mm. Um, before we move on, I thought Nathan Cleary defensively was absolutely outstanding. I thought he had a blinder of a game. And if they'd ended up winning this game, we'd be sitting here talking about him for 15 minutes rather than Latrell Mitchell, in all likelihood. But anyway. You would have loved that right. too, wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> I really, mean, dude. Would have really just perked your spirits up on a Friday. Oh, mate. I, I, I'd already, like. Oh, Nathan was... Cleary whooped the shit out of us again. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh did Stephen Crichton score a couple of tries? Did he grow up? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I was Read already. I was already, and it was funny as well, like, because friend of the show slash social media guru, Edwin Smith, was like, make sure you start putting stuff on stories and stuff when you go to games and stuff. And I did one before the game, and I did one at halftime, and I'm like, I have to do one at full time, and it's going to fucking suck. It turns out it didn't suck. It actually ruled. So, yeah. Uh, a nice treat to start the weekend. Uh, whoever, uh, <laughs> these these Friday shows after a Thursday night game, a brilliant idea. One of our best. <laughs> Well, this is the second week in a row we've had to do it after a after a thumping. I mean, look, victory. I mean, look, they were never going to lose to the Dolphins. I don't think I was particularly chipper last week. It is that was what it was, but this this was very surprising. And I, again, I think you know, big finals wins aside, I think probably the most enjoyable win since either you can take me now. I've seen it all, with the exception being when they put sixty on the Roosters in uh, with the under under eights try for AJ. So happy, yeah. Uh... Gee, what about this bloke? Um, yeah, so if you're a new listener show, well, this is our weekly segment called uh, What About This Bloke, where we talk about uh, a player you might have forgotten about from the last 15 to 20 to 25 years of rugby league camper. So sitting around and naming old football players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And today we've got we've got something of a star of the what about this guy ranks, a a Mount Rushmore guy, a Hall of Fame guy. His guyhood is such that it's nearly transcended itself he's nearly become a well-known player just by mm-hmm. being a guy who has been remembered so often and that is your friend and mine scott minto nominated yeah. by beloved patrons rocky and rafi 
Yeah, I, I, I was when you. I was not sure he was even eligible. Such is the sort of status he has he has achieved. I mean, he had a piss take statue at the front of Suncorp a couple of years ago, but he still very much remains a guy. I think. I think in spirit, definitely. He's but if you're on the internet a lot, which the three of us unfortunately are, you're probably That's exposed true. to a lot of Scott Minto gags in your time. But if you're a normal person who doesn't spend too much time on the computer, mm. Scott Minto is still very much a, a a a cult hero, still very much a guy to be remembered. So for 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 those of you who who know of the legend of Scott Minto but need a bit of reminding, he debuted for the Broncos when he's about 24, 25 in the early two thousands. And let's let's hit the nail on the head here. He looked a lot like Wayne Bennett, like uncannily like Wayne Bennett. Like <laughs> Wayne Bennett at the time was what, mid-50s, early 60s, close to it. Scott Minto, a man in his mid-20s, looked like Wayne Bennett's son, right down to the, you know, the tall, skinny beanpole thing, the no hair. Like it was uncanny. There were many jokes made publicly and privately that perhaps Wayne had a long lost son who he was throwing on the wing for the Bronx. Yeah. Do you think uh, there'd be jokes? I think there's some you truth. You think it's true? I think it's true. Well, mate, fucking you want to get him? Use, use, use the billions of News Corp dollars at your disposal and, and get an investigation together. Get him on Jerry it's Springer. An exclusive investigation. I'm into a tinfoil hat. It's real. Get me in. Yeah, so Scott Minto's an interesting one because he, like, what was it, like 40-odd games for the Broncos – uh, one season with the Cowboys camper. What is it, do you think, that made him become this sort of meme figure almost on, on the internet like a decade after he retired? Well, he doesn't he doesn't look like a footballer. Mm. That's why. Like that that's a that's a that's a rich subsection of of dude. Like guys that just don't look like footballers. Like it's the same reason that people love George Rose, for example. Like he doesn't look like a professional a professional athlete, you know, and Scott Minto, I think he's one of those blokes who like was really good in the Q cup for a few years. So the Broncos took a pun on him. And I think for those first couple of years at the Bronx, he was like, he was all right. He wasn't too bad. Like one game that I remember really, really vividly. And Marty, you might remember this one is the Broncos played the storm in 2003. And it was the first golden point game that the Broncos had ever played. And Wayne Bennett had been a fierce, fierce golden point. Like he hated it. He was bagging it out the whole time they introduced it. He was part of the what's wrong with a draw crowd. And Scott Minto ended up scoring the winning try from about 30 or 40 meters out, like just busting through, hurdling over the try line as, as Billy Slater looked on bereftly and wept. Bennett's on the sidelines cheering him home like it's the last at Kembla Grange or something like that. And then Bennett's the, coming to the press conference and said, I love Golden Point. And I was like, yeah, oh, wait, how do you feel about it now? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> and they all just they all just chuckled. And then we all chuckled because yeah. Wayne Wayne got us again. He did. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. Mate, like I don't know. There's like there's not much Scott Minto on YouTube. There's that try and a length of the field try that he scored against the Raiders. But apart from that, like maybe the legend of Scott Minto's actual playing career grows in the telling. And it grew in the telling after he retired because he did become, I would say, one of the first like rugby league memes or whatever. Sportsbet really got behind it. I think that's 2017 or something when they put up the piss take statue out the front of Lang Park. And Scott Minto was there. I think he's always had a pretty good sense of humor about his uh, about his place in the game. Yeah, well, it is that try, right, Campo? That was, I think, the fourth ever game of Golden Point, I think, mm. pretty sure. And not just Scott Minto, Corey Parker, no hair, throwing that offload for the try. That's what I remember from that one as well. Um, 
Is, isn't that how he got his nickname as well, Scott Minto? It's not one of the better nicknames in footy. 40-20. Looks 40. But yeah, actually- yeah, I do remember this now. That That's you good stuff, it. yeah. Yeah. Frankly. That was that. What's um was that? That was obviously your first Melbourne. That was obviously Melbourne's first Golden Point game. What was Cameron's first Golden Point game, Kimmo? Oh, geez, man, I couldn't even tell you. It might have been. I have a vague memory. Like oh four, they played in a Golden Point game against the Warriors, mm. where Clint Shikoski kicked a field goal in like the seventy eighth minute, and then another one in the eighty first minute. According to, to Wikipedia, that was your first one. There you yeah. go. I'm, I'm, glad was, we, I'm glad we finally brought this back to Clint Shikovsky, as all conversations must. Ours was ours was um ours was also against the Warriors. We're up twenty four to six with twenty minutes to go, and we're down 30-24 with two minutes left. And then Paul Stringer scored a try, but then Stacey Jones kicked one of the best field goals you'll ever see. He kicked the Golden shit Point. out of that field. Do you goal? remember that one? I think it's from about 35 out. But, but it would have been would have gone 50. over from 55. Yeah. Like he, he absolutely he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was sounds of a golden point game. So that was that was fun. Uh, any other Scott Minto facts before we move on? That's kind of all I got, eh? I'm not even yeah. sure what he did after footy. I think he just sort of he probably got some betting company money for that joke statue. Definitely. Which, maybe, just, yeah. maybe just went to work on Wayne Bennett's farm or something like that. Potentially. Well, Put him out the stud. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, I think it says a lot about the man. He was at the Broncos in 06, right? Didn't play in that grand final then, but they won the comp. He leaves after 06, goes to the Cowboys in 07. Mm. To the Broncos, they crumble, lose to the Storm in week one of the finals, the team they just beat in that grand final, lost 40 nil as well. Was Scott Minto the difference? Probably so you're, not. You're, you're, you're telling me that if the Bronx make the top four this year, and they wheel out the secret weapon, Scott Minter, yeah. the, the true coach whisperer. I'll go one first. So, so they say so one in 06. They haven't won since. Is there some sort of curse of the billy goat going on <laughs> with Scott Minter? Curse of the 4020. You know what? Let's start it. Let's start, let's start telling people that that's true. And if this ends with uh, the Broncos having to ritually sacrifice Scott Minter in the middle of Suncorp Stadium, then so be it. And if that's our fault, then the blood's on our hands. But what can you do? <laughs> Anyway, right, uh, so Scott Minto is this week's guy. Thank you very much to Rocky and Rafi for selecting him. If you'd like to be a part of this segment, you just got to sign up to our Patreon. I think it's the second tier. Gets mm. you in the running. We do it every week. It's winning awards. People love this segment. I love this segment. They absolutely segment. do. My favorite one of the week. Next week, next week, our dear friends from Westlife Podcast. Oh, yeah. Our brothers across the barricades who are doing it tough right now. But their number came up, and they will, well, they will, they will select the guy that we will, that we will remember next. The week. West Tigers Absolutely. have a lot of guys, especially club, our our guys. We grew up the, the the era that you we grew up really got engrossed in footy as as youngsters. That was peak like early two thousands. West Tigers being good, so oh, be I'm, ex- I'm excited for. A bit I'm of very excited. They action, could, man. This, oh, could really, this could really could be a bit of Ben Galea. Who knows? Oh wow! Wouldn't wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't that rustle the Jimmies? It would. Uh, all right, uh, just five games to preview uh, this week, which probably for the best. I think the Thursday recap went a bit longer than usual. Uh, tonight, Darwin Eels hosting the Broncos. Uh, the Eels uh, they belted them up in Darwin last time they played them from memory. But uh, what do you make of this one, Marty? Yeah, Mike Sivo hat trick that night. Uh, look, I don't want to tirade from uh, a former host on this show, but. <laughs> Mara have a great record up there. Unless they're playing the Cowboys, they generally win. I think they're eight from ten, if memory serves correctly. And yeah, I think both of those losses may have been been to North Queensland. It's weird because the Eels have played really well for well, really well, probably strong, but they've definitely been better for about 50 minutes the past two weeks. But 
there's a really strange lull from about the 35th minute to the 65th minute where they just clock off and, and the Tigers came back at them, even the Dogs last week. Um, that game was there to be lost, I think, for the The Dogs had a few fit bodies, yeah. but just didn't. Um, but for some reason, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish about them. Uh, I, I know Moses' kicking game, but it, it, it's going to come down to Regan Campbell-Gillard, I think, and Junior Barlow. Cut the head off the snake. They're going to go after Payne Haas. They're going to go after Patrick Carrigan. And I think the big question for Brisbane is if those two are blunted, I think they might be tonight, what's next? Like, they do have some good young kids, but I think this is going to be one of those games where those young kids have to become men because I think Parramatta are going to go after their big boys and and really test what the rest of the guys have. Bit of boys to men action. Mm. All my yeah, life. I I understand what you're saying, Marty. I actually think on paper, Parramatta match up with Brisbane quite well because I think part of the reason, or part of the way to get a handle on Brisbane is you have to match them in the middle of the field and you have to have the depth to do that. And now that Parra's got all their guys back and now that they're playing Ryan Madison in the middle as well, you look at that and it's Campbell Gillard and it's Paul Owen, it's Madison and it's Hopgood. And then it's my my dear my dear friend, Wiramu Greek. Like there's a lot of, a lot of muscle there. There's a lot of strength there. There's a lot of skill there as well. But what worries me a little bit is just the fact that this game is in Darwin and you're tacking a fair bit of travel onto a Parramatta team that's going to be playing its third game in 12 days. And I know that the two games they've played previously weren't exactly like knock them out slugfest. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't playing teams that were beating the piss out of them, but they were still playing, you know, and in the Darwin heat, I wonder if that will take its toll and if that will catch up with them, especially if Brisbane get off to a really strong start um, and Parramatta hit that point in the games where they have had those sorts of lulls, even against those bad teams in that middle portion of the match. Because if Parramatta don't come correct in that period and all of a sudden it's the 60th minute and Payne Haas is coming on for his second stint, and he's going to try and rip someone's face off if he's going to be running too wide of the ruck and getting one-on-one with blokes half his size and bending the line and throwing offloads and stuff like he's done in pretty much every game this year. That's, that seems to me to be something something difficult for Parramatta to handle. You know, Brisbane are getting Corey Oates back. I think Jesse Arthurs has done okay, but Oates is one of the best wingers in the competition, and he'll get their sets off to to such a great start. Plus, you know, Reese Walsh, talk about him every week. Ezra Man, we talk about him every week. You know, I, I I like Brizzy in this one, man. I think they'll have a bit too much grunt for power and then probably a bit too much spark for him on the edge. Corio, it's getting his warm-up run in before his biannual hat-trick against South next week. Are you – who does better against South, Stephen Crichton or Corey Oates? I Who's haven't looked at the – Cry- I was thinking this last night. I did say to my mate who's at the game with it, Crichton is now at Corey Oates levels of, I wish this person was not in my life. But I th- Oates probably definitely still has more tries, but Crichton's probably got him for per game. He's yeah. 11 from 11, Crichton. How many, sorry? Is he really? 11 from 11. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Corey Oates Campo because I think Parramatta's right edge defensively has had quite a few issues this season. Like, I know Hayes Dunster's just coming back from injury, still getting used to it, but I think there's a bit of a disconnect between Moses, Penasini, and Dunster. So I think Brisbane is sending a lot of traffic that way tonight. Um, what interests me, though, how many bottles of water is Brad Arthur <laughs> going to have tonight? You know how there's that um, there's that sort of waterfall lagoon thing that's near Alice Springs that every single person who goes to the Northern <laughs> Territory goes to? Yeah. That has now been drained dry. 
because Brad Arthur went down there with a few water bottles and he was like, I'm loading up, bro. I'm loading up. I need the crystal clear spring water of the mm. Northern Territory. You know what I mean? He'll be sitting in a coach's box that is more plastic water bottles than it yeah. is coach's box. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'll I'll take Brisbane. Um, yeah, I'm, ta- I'm, ta- I'm taking Brisbane as well. I thought I made that. And Marty, you got the eels? Yeah, and just well, just to have it, I'm on the bottom rung of the Daily Telegraph tipping, so maybe my tips are uh, best to all. Okay, so I hadn't actually seen that in until I went to I went to watch the game, the Dolphins game at my grandfather's house last week. And he said, Matthew, have you seen how many tipsters they've got in this telegraph tipping thing? And I said, What do you mean? He goes, It's a whole page. I'm like, All right, Pop. And then I looked at it, and it is genuinely a whole page. It's it's so like many There's 400 <laughs> of you. Well, it used to just be like a little row up the top with like six people, but no, there's a million. The yeah, whole paper's million... going to be a tipping comp at some point. There are a million, and I'm somehow in the bottom 10. So I'm very proud of you for that. The best, um, thing, what... the best thing about leaving News Corp was that I wasn't in that tipping comp anymore. Not because I didn't like the tipping comp, but because I had the worst headshot. I love that headshot. <laughs> of the world. It is. I might so get that headshot shit. on a t-shirt. It is the. It is like it is the worst photo. Of Marty, will you buy a Nick Cannon headshot field. t-shirt if I make them? I'll buy, but I will not be paying postage and handling. That's fair. All right, coming soon to <laughs> rugbyleaguemerch.com. Uh, before we move on, really quick. Jake Arthur will catch the red eye back to Sydney late Friday before pressing on to Auckland for Sunday's reserve grade game. Just don't fly him up there. <laughs> know, it's hard, it's hard did, to say did you, did you guys know there was a 1am flight back from Darwin to Sydney, by the way? Yeah, of course, man. I'm always on that flight. No, I didn't know that flight existed. <laughs> well, it was largely rhetorical, dickhead. But yeah, <laughs> insane. What, what, a, what a brutal couple of days for young Jacob. Oh, man. Like, when your dad asks you to do something, you got to do it, man. Well, Kevy was taking his son, so <laughs> Brad, he's like, Dad. I think, yeah. Dad, I'm Billy it. gets to go. Someone in the Discord made that joke. I'm stealing it, and they can just deal with it. And they paid me to steal it, so cop that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Saturday's game. Just thought, because it's just the one game on tonight. Uh, the Dogs hosting the Sharks at Homebush. Um, a pretty disappointing week for the Bulldogs. They're still very, very depleted. They lose... The big Wahash on top of the guys they already didn't have out. He'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, facing a Sharks team coming off their best performance of the year. Uh, what what chance do you give the doggies in this one, Marty? Uh, well, say a fool's chance, but that's probably unfair to fools. This is, I, I, I just don't see a path to victory for them. I mean, how do you go from Josh Adokar and Jacob Kiraz, one-time Dallium favourite, to... <laughs> Casey and Braden Burns. Uh, it's a bit a bit of a drop off. It's it's like going from a Daryl Lee Rocky Rocky Easter egg to the ones those cardboardy chalky things that you ran. Oh, with. don't you mean to Braden Burns? South Sydney legend. He is a South Sydney legend, not quite a Bulldogs legend just yet. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Well, There's this this time. could be the There's this could time. be the making of Braden Burns. Uh, but that's where I'm really worried. Going up against Tony Carpola and Ronaldo Molotalo, who shout out to Ronaldo Molotalo. I thought a game against the Warriors, and he he owned up. He was terrible. Right, just dropping balls, dropping kicks. One of them led straight to a Sean Johnson try, and that's what happens. Like I think when he gets caught up, just in the trash talk, you get distracted from your footy. Last week, you know, he kind of focused in and what happens, scores a terrific try, saves tries. That's what he does. He can be one of the best wingers in the world. He just lets his footy do the talking instead of his actual mouth. Um, for the dogs, there are just too many outs. I don't know. Like they've 
the, the brave word gets used too often. But each, what do they scored? Ten points the last two weeks, something like that. You're not mm. winning this trial like that. Yeah, the the attack the attack has really slowed down. Um, and the the Burton Flanagan swap, putting Burton in at halfback and Flanagan at five eight. I don't think that stuff ever really ever really works. You know. Like saying, oh, we've got to get Burton's hands on the footy more. It's like, I don't think Burton touching the ball. I don't think Burton not touching the ball enough has been the problem. He's been plenty involved. He's one of the only guys that looks really likely, you know. It, it wouldn't. There's a lot of talk around this week that um, the young fellow they signed from Brisbane, I've only ever seen his name written. I haven't said it, so I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. Carl Olipau, I think is how you say it. Someone that the club has a really big rap on. There's a lot of talk this week that he might be in for a debut. There's a lot of talk that another young kid named Jarrell Skelton has been doing really well in reserve grade that he might be in for a debut as well. And if they can get those guys into the team, I think they should do it because this does look like a game that's going to be very, very tough for them to to compete in. So you may as well try and get something out of it and getting the debut of those two who are seen as part of the club's long-term future that's something that you can get out of this game. You can't get a result. Um, the game against Para, it's again, we talked about it on Monday. It's hard to know how much to take away from it because there were so many injuries, but I did think Tavita Pangai Jr. was quite strong on return. I thought in a, in a forward pack that was getting manhandled a little bit, I thought he did, did quite well. He had a really good mix of, of work rate and impact with his offloads and all that. If there is a way for Canterbury to win this game, it's probably through him and Max King, dominating the middle of the field, which isn't impossible because Cronulla's had their own problems up the middle of the field this season, but it just seems really unlikely. And when, when you see the way that Cronulla has been able to attack through most of this season, it's they're almost definitely going to have too many points in them for Canterbury, aren't they? Like, you know, Hines and Kennedy linking together and Talakai and Rami and giving them that such destructive power on the edges of the ruck. You got to take the Sharks here. You got to take them. They're the away team as well. Which is why I'm cold training them. I'm mm. I'm cold training. I'm reaching across the uh, the divide and clasping hands with my Cronulla Newtown brothers. Oh no! I hear something. Here's Taylor rolling the ball end on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Oh, cold train cup. Oh God! It's another train. Two oh, trains. Two colliding. trains at the same time. <laughs> There's blood on the tracks. This yeah. Well, Marty is a Marty. Is, Marty is a patron, so of course he is in the Coltrane Cup. So Marty, all aboard the Sharks and the Coltrane Cup tickets, please. I've bought mine. Yes, Campo, save me a seat. The Sharks are winning this one. I'm going to rise from 98th in the Coltrane Cup ladder, probably up to a 96 after this one. It's going to happen. Have you guys booked a sleeping car together? <laughs> little bunk, little bunk bed action. <laughs> It's talking about footy as you drift off to sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm not cold training the Sharks, but I am tipping them. This, um, yeah, poor doggies. I mean, a season that started so promising. I know that a lot of their fans all said 2024 was the year, but that started really promisingly. And now through injuries and a couple of flat performances, they've really fallen away. But I guess if they were expecting it, it's fine. But yeah, can't wait for uh, Matt Burton to be unleashed, I guess. I don't know. Stupid. Uh, Cowboys hosting the Knights. Huge game for the Cowboys. I mean, with the way their season's going, Nick, they're running out of these like home games that we expect them to win that they really are their bread and butter in terms of like getting up the ladder. 
And at the start of the year, you would have looked at round eight hosting Newcastle as a, not just a win, but a very comfortable win. But instead, I, I haven't looked it up. I don't even know if they're favorites and I don't know if they should be. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. So when this, when the betting opened for this game, it was a pick em, right? It was lower buck 90 each. Yeah. The Cowboys have just been firming all week. They're into a buck 65. They're approaching warm favoritism. For the life of me, I cannot work out why, because they have been really, really poor this season, well below what we've all come to expect from them and what they showed last year. And then you throw in Jason Talmalolo is going to miss a fair bit of time. That was something we didn't get to on the Monday show. I got the news dropped about an hour after we finished recording. I was pretty pissed off, but like losing him, I know he's not been playing great, but it's just one more forward that they're missing in a year where they've really struggled to get their best pack on the field. Like, and I know they're at home and they're usually much better at home than they are on the road, but I can't work out why they are such warm favorites against a Newcastle side. That's continually played above themselves and continually defied the odds over this past month. The Newcastle team that's welcoming back Kalen Ponga, Newcastle team that's welcoming back. Revenge game. Revenge game too. Yeah. For, yeah. For Kalen Ponga. Yeah, definitely. But like, I know the Knights, so the, the Knights have been really good in their past four matches. They've had three wins and a draw. Those three wins all did come at home. And I think that big, rowdy Newcastle crowd is something of a superpower for them. And if, if the Knights want to be a, a, a top eight team, which is something they should be aiming for at this point, they need to win a couple of games like this on the on the road and all that. And I think they would have picked this one out as like one where, you know, maybe we can do something, but just despise the outsiders. Bookies don't want to know about them. Marty, mm. you're the you're the gambling savant here. What's going on? You are. Yeah, it's not my money that's been driving the market. Let me tell you that. I've <laughs> I might be on the sharks uh, train, but I am I've jumped off cowboys. I've been really probably the last one just clinging on, thinking they're gonna turn it around. But last week ended it for me. They could they had enough ball, enough territory to win that one six, maybe even six and a half times. Um, but they just didn't. And the concern is, like, yeah, sure, they're missing a few forwards, but a lot of teams are missing forwards right now. Just look at South Sydney. Their spine is the same that took them to the prelim final last year. They've got their outside backs there. They just can't score. I'm glad, what what do you put that down to? Because all all the ingredients are there, but the chef, the head chef is still there. Yeah, it's weird, right? And... Although I, I do think a lot of their attack last year just came from like brilliant individual efforts from Nanai, like guile from Drinkwater, and a lot of just everything they did worked. And maybe some of the things they're doing this year just aren't working the same way. Maybe things that we just took for granted for them last year are just, they're just not going to catch that lightning in a bottle again. Because you, you're right, you watch this team and, and they have had a couple of minor injuries, but nothing gigantic. Yeah, they'll string for a couple of weeks for suspension as well. But like they haven't had a huge squad turnover from last year. So to see them just become completely inept at scoring points. I mean, it, it has been one of the sort of more bizarre storylines through the first quarter of the season, but yeah, mate, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take the Knights also. I'm, yeah. I'm probably, I'm, I'm going to take the Knights too. The, the big thing for me with the Knights is what we can expect from Kalen Ponga, not just yeah. in the sense of this is his first game back after another concussion, a concussion that, looked like was was going to keep him out for a really long time and seems to have really been a bit of a, not a flashpoint, but it certainly seems to be a, a point in the road of his career, like going over to Canada and seeing the specialist over there. Like this is a, this felt like quite a serious thing for him. So there's all that, regardless of what position he's playing, there's all that sort of mental baggage that he's going to have to get past. But then as well, he's put Scotland in at 5'8". 
which we only saw for what a game and one tackle um, before, before, before he got knocked out and before everything changed. So I guess we're kind of back into the preseason mode of what do you guys expect from Kalen Ponger at 5'8"? What do you want from Kalen Ponger at 5'8"? You know, and Tyson Gamble humbly and willingly stepped aside <laughs> to allow Ponger back I was still team. thinking about that, like, later that day, still giggling. Like, oh, yeah, well, but, but like, like it was your call, Tyson. Yeah, but we've, we've only got, like, a game and a, and a, a game and a play to go on. But what do you guys want from Ponger in this match, partnering with Hastings? Yeah, I want him to actually take take the back seat. I don't want him to overplay his hand. I think he should let um, Hastings, like he was at the Tigers, be the general and have those 100 touches. And I think in that first game we saw before he came off for the HIA, Ponga, I think he set up one or two tries, chimed in at the end where they were chasing points, put the line on then, almost scored, and then Chance held him up. I just want, yeah, I just want Ponga to chime in. I just want him to just get the ball early to best and, and link up well. I don't think he needs to do the flashy plays. No one's really expecting that, I don't think, in his first game back. I think, yeah, the key, let let the others cook. And if required, just note he's got the class, just needs a couple of nice touches to ease back. Yeah, I'd, I'd let Hastings cook and just one or two nice things. That's all I'm expecting from Kane. I just, I just want to see him keep his head in a safe spot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Marty, I'm glad you mentioned best because I think it's actually quite, it's it's well set up for Ponga to have that sort of game that you're talking about, where he doesn't have to overplay his hand. He just has to find a couple of classy touches because, like the big boy edge, the meat the meaty lads out there, mm. Best and and Marju, they've been running over the top of anyone. All you got to do is get him the footy a little bit early, and they can smash blokes. They can run over the top of them, you know. So all he's got to do is, is 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 just facilitate a little bit, just play his part. Don't overplay his hand, like sort of ease back into the fixture, you know. And I actually think he'll be able to do that pretty well because of the direction Hastings has been giving him. And the more I look at this game, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, the more confident I feel in the Knights getting it done. So I like him in this one. All right. Um, uh, another Queensland, there's so many Queensland derbies now. Uh, Dolphins, Titans, 2 p.m., Super Sunday. Marty, how you feeling? Well, you is your fin up? Is it? Oh, right, look good. At yeah, there you go. Can um, confirm he has put his fin up. <laughs> So does that? So with all these Queensland derbies, so when the Rabbitohs play the Panthers, is that now when you Sydney start? Derby? Yeah. yeah, Sydney Derby. It's just <laughs> a it huge is it win is. in the Sydney Derby last night. <laughs> Every it's a great point. Must, I hadn't thought of it that way. It's a great point. Yeah, I can't wait for the Cowboys to play the Titans. What's that? Four hundred kilometers away. Could be a lot more. Probably a lot more. Actually, if he's not very good, that's going to be a derby. It is what it is. Um, Dolphins. Very hard to get a read on. I think. Everyone is willing to jump off after that Dragons uh, pasting that a month ago, and they bounce back. back to that grit we've come to expect from the first few weeks. And then last week, just halftime came at the worst possible time for them. Um, they were they were testing South. They were absolutely testing South. So very interested to see how they go in what I think is going to be a points-a-thon uh, up there to be a dry track. Not expecting a lot of defense. They lose Kenny Bromwich, and that might not sound like a lot, but I thought until his brain snap, he was actually having a really good game uh, last. Yeah, I thought week. I thought it was his best game as a Dolphin yeah, last week. I thought um, his kick pressure and just belting the wingers legally. Uh, he was doing that really well until he got it wrong and rightfully got Simbin suspended. But they do get Felice Kafusi back, and uh, I think that's Ben Diesel. Great, it's an upgrade. Uh, so, and that, actually, that's the battle I'm looking forward to the most. 
Felice Cafusi, I think they're going to line up against David, who is sneakily having a very good season. Like mm. the tries aren't there, but he's developed a passing game which we haven't really seen in the first few years. He's getting through all the work that people have asked him to do, but he's just not getting the raps. I, I agree, but on the flip side, he's not getting the pelters as the million dollar man is failing to deliver <laughs> either. So I think if I'm David Fita, I'm I'm claiming I'm claiming um relative apathy yeah. as a win. <laughs> <laughs> The, the real the real win is the apathy we is the apathy we inspire <laughs> right. along the way. Exactly. I, I agree with you, Marty. I think this game will have a lot of points in it, but I actually think that favors the Titans a lot more. Like we've said it a lot on this show. Like they're a team that can score a lot of points. And they've scored a lot of points against good against strong defensive teams as well. And I think the Dolphins, while they have played with a lot of grit and a lot of ticker through this season, I think they're able to score points when the opposition uh, when the opposition isn't dialed in defensively. I think if the other team muscles up, the Dolphins can struggle to to create points a, 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 li- a little bit, especially with, with Sean O'Sullivan out. So I think if the Titans can just find a little bit of defensive resolve, because obviously they got overrun in the second half by Brisbane last week, but if they can just find a little bit of steel with their defense... I think they might have way too many points in them for the Dolphins. I just don't know if the Titans are going to be able to run and gun with them the way that the way the, the way that they would have to 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 take down a team with the attacking upside of the Titans. You know, like we talked about Dave Fafita. I've talked about that left side a lot this year. Foran's been great for him there. I think Kelly's been really good since he came back. I think Jaden Campbell. I know he had the unfortunate moment with the charge down last week, but I think he's playing with a lot of attacking confidence, and I would hope that that charge down doesn't doesn't dent that. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know where the points are going to come from for the Finns. You know, you saw in that game against Souths last week, I know they looked great in the first half, but the tries came off a, a dropped bomb and then a, a dummy, a dummy half rush, you know? So creatively, I, I think that the Titans might have them covered here. So I'm, I'm actually taking the tunes in a bit, bit of an upset in Especially the Queensland wow. Derby, no less. In the Especially Queensland if, Derby. If Brimson comes back as well, he's on the extended bench. So, um, mm. you know, I guess... Campbell goes back to mention. You didn't even mention Khan Pereira, but the real captain. Uh, he's he's a freak. Uh, that kid is quick. That dropped the kickoff last week. Just nothing. He's very good. You know what? He's not just quick. He moves so well in the open mm. field. You know, he's not just a fast guy that they've taught to play footy. I think he has a really good understanding yeah. of space and defenders and how to beat them. I don't know if it's the best. It's definitely not the best one through five in the comp, but it might be the most fun. With Jojo back in there right now. There's there's some there's some guys in there that are just fun to watch. I do really like that we've gone back to the glory days of the Titans just having two fast as shit wingers. Yeah. Like okay. Kevin Gordon and David Mead. They're they're smiling up there, brother. Is that is that David Mead try the one rugby league highlight no one could ever possibly get tired of watching? Yes. I don't know, man. There's a lot of highlights I need to get tired of watching. That's a good point. Such as Isaiah Tarsus try one, last dude. night. But no, I just always think of that that one-handed pickup. God, he made it look good, didn't he? What a player. Um, future guy, or is he too high-profile? Oh, no, I, th- I think he's a guy. Okay. I think he's a stone-cold guy. All right. Uh, and last game of the round, the West Tigers hosting the Manly Warringah Seagulls at, in my opinion, their best stadium, uh, Campbelltown Sports Ground. Uh, Campo, uh, I'm going to do the classic. I might head down. You're a, you're a local of the area. Uh, what are your chances of attending? 100%. I'm going to be Excellent. there. This will be this will be the uh, fifth West Tigers game I've attended this season. 
only one of those attendances was due to professional reasons. I have chosen on my day off in my own time to go watch the West Tigers four times this year. I'll buy you a Bloomin' Onion at Outback Steakhouse afterwards. I am a sick, sick man. You are, but... I should not be allowed on the streets unsupervised. I need my fucking head examined going to watch this mob again. Here's Taylor rolling the ball in. Donini's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Cold Train Cup. But speaking of sick, now, the Cold Train Cup is all about zagging when others zig. It's about taking risks. It's about... Taking chances, Campo. And at Campbelltown, their, sp- in their spiritual home. Get your Leichhardt out of my face. At Campbelltown Stadium, this is the week where the West Tigers get the win and I am taking them. People go, oh, why are you, t- why are you talking so good? I'm not really talking myself into it, but you got to tip them at some point. And I know that a lot of people are taking Manly this week. Uh, I can't win the comp anyway because I'm, I'm the organizer. But, uh, it's, you know, being able to leap that's why you can't. That's why you can't win because you're the yeah. organizer. Well, no, that, I mean, I literally right. can't. No, no. no, I meant, I meant, I legally cannot win. That's the, it's only, the, law. That's the only thing stopping well, you. My shit tips are so, uh, shit tips are also <laughs> an issue. But I know that a lot of people that we were talking to this week are uh, looking at taking Manly. I think it's a big chance to make a jump up the ladder if the Tigers can win this one. If they don't, doesn't really matter. Did I know who Jareem Buller was two days ago? No. Would I trust him with my life right now? Yes. Buller uh, baby. <laughs> that train will be pulling into Lamia Station, and I'll be leaving back to Mascot afterwards with two points. <laughs> you might as well. You might as well. Um, Marty, Marty, you look flabbergasted that I've said done it. This. We've said it before. I'm just out of things to say about the yeah. Tigers, man. I got I, so, like what? 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 What can you say? I, it's not going to get any better. You got to tip them at some point. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm They're not. Campbelltown. I'm, I'm not impugning your logic, man. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm with you, Campbelltown. <laughs> let's do it. But like. Yeah. Also, if yeah, I am going to go, cool. if I am going to go, I'd rather have some sort of uh, interest factor. Just put a thousand on the Tigers, thirteen plus. There you <laughs> go. That's a much worse idea. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 uh, this, this. I this way, I just lose space in front of like a couple of thousand listeners. I don't, I don't lose space. I don't lose, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. That's much worse. <laughs> That's much, much worse. Um, a, a few things, Bungard. You're right. It's very rare that a kid debuts who no one knows about with this buller. Like everyone's seen this 90 meter try doing the rounds on social media, but uh, is it as weird because Charlie Staines was actually really good at fullback on each yeah. So to shift him on a bit of genius, who knows? But uh yeah, I'm a bit surprised by that one. I actually have a really poor record at Campbelltown, which is I've lost five straight. I got some news for you, Marty. They've got they a poor record, record everywhere. everywhere. Well, <laughs> funny you say that because Sunday, will, I'm sure everyone now knows this, has been doing the rounds, a year to the day since Luke Brooks last won a game, uh, which was against Bungard. Fuck off. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, yes, and he kicked the field goal. So uh, maybe there's some symmetry there for you. Uh, that really you- was a, That really was like that game last year was a really nice throwback to like, I don't know if you remember, Marty, early on in Brooks and Moses' careers, even when they were struggling, they'd play Souths and turn into Johns and Lockyer mm, every time. Yeah. It was immensely frustrating. So it was a I, nice uh, throwback last week. I watched that game at the Vic on the Park with a couple of fellas and we, <laughs> with about five minutes to go, we, we all just started yelling Luke Brooks for life for like no <laughs> reason whatsoever. Then he kicked the field goal. We're saying Luke Brooks took for life for absolutely everyone. And by God, look what's happened since. 
Yeah. We killed him. We sunk imagine, him. Imagine if Jai kicked that field goal. How things could have been so different for the two. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I- Manly have played at Campbelltown thrice in their existence, and they've won two of them. So probably should have looked at that before I did this. They're getting Schuster back finally. That's a big one. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he's got, but I'm expecting Manly to run away with this one in just about whatever fashion they choose. You know, I'd love it for the people of the MacArthur region, for my brothers of the West, if they were able to get a win here, but it just doesn't seem well, that the, the, likely. The, the, the dirty secret, Campo, that they don't tell they don't tell people is that the 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 real passion of the merger comes from the good people of the West, where where we were where we were forged, not these hoity toity latte sippers that go to the Orange Grove and then swan over to Leichhardt afterwards in between the checking the AFL scores on their phone. Hey, no, no come on, Leichhardt is not AFL territory. Campbelltown not, Stadium is Town, where mate. heroes are made, and on Sunday perhaps a new one, and his name will be. What's his? I've already forgotten. Uh, <laughs> Jareem Buller. There you go. <laughs> Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Simi Renrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. All right, bit of news before we get out of here. Um, Campo, I'm happy to save the, for two, A, because we're running out of time, and B, because it's nothing's been confirmed yet. We'll save the Jack White and stuff properly for when it's confirmed, because we still don't know where he's going to go. But just really quickly, uh, how are you feeling now that it seems almost certain that he's going to get out of here? Well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll get into how I'm feeling about that when it happens, because there's no point getting mad about something that hasn't happened yet. But I think it is the decision that will be settled in the next 24 to 48 hours. You know, he mm. met with the Dolphins in Brisbane yesterday. He's meeting with Souths in Mascot today. Um, Souths have just... He's actually him. coming to my house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, is he? Oh, yeah. that's good. No, I like that. Good. Yeah. Um, He's meeting with Souths today. I imagine he'd have one more meeting with Canberra after that. And then I would think he would make... Decision. Souths have just roared into contention really out of nowhere. Really? I, I thought like we were kind of joking about it. We were kind of joking about it the other week because him and Trell became buddies, but now it's actually happening. I don't really know how to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And like if you sort of there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff flying around, but if you sort of read the tea leaves, it does seem like Souths are in are in the box seat. I think he'd go there, he'd play left center, he'd do really well. Um I would have grievances that I would yeah. air later on if that ends up happening but uh yeah at the minute the jack white and sweepstakes are well and truly on well people are asking how they could possibly fit him in under the salary cap martin you're a storm fan would you like to explain that to the people (laughs) yeah so what you do you buy a broken calculator and you keep two sets of books and you don't tell people about that second book Uh, Mm. and it's just it's just that easy It's just that easy, and you get away with it for about five, six, maybe even seven years, and then it all kind of crumbles, and you get ah, that's the part that yeah, that's the part you got to try and avoid. No one part of the deal, baby. But yeah, I think um, look, I if if they were signing him to play five eighth, I'd be apoplectic. Signing him to play left center, I think, makes it like one of the most dangerous edges of like South left edge is already in the conversation as the best edge ever. Now with Jack Whiten, Isaiah Tass scored the winner last night. It's actually really funny because up until that point coming there to be his backup. 
up until that point in the game, Tarsit had a bit of a Barney. Yeah. So, and I was thinking like, Isaiah, I love you. You've had a great season so far, in my opinion, but you've not exactly timed this game very well, having like your worst performance of the year a day after all these rumors are linking Jack White into taking your spot. But yeah, I think that, I mean, Jesus Christ, that's that's almost a cheat code, adding Jack White into that Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, Alex Johnson side of the field. So, yeah. If he goes there and plays center, I think he'll be a, a big success, an unqualified success. But it would be very, very funny to see you become a Jack White and guy. Yeah. Considering, cons- considering your uh, your track record with the fella. Are you going to um? Are you going to fully Roosters fan Mitchell Pierce him when he leaves, or like, oh, I never thought he was that any is, good that anyway. Is, that is a gross. That is a gross mischaracterization. I asked if you were going to. I didn't say you had not, done it. You no, know, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not. Thank gonna you. Do that. Well, you got very defensive when I asked you a question, not an accusation. So maybe it tell felt, on it, yourself a bit. It was there. a question that felt accusatory. Accusatory. It was a leading question. Marty, do you think it was accusatory? Accuse. Uh, look, <laughs> a little bit of that. I must admit, I'm on campus side here. Lay off. Thank you, Marty. Oh wow, the the News Corp guys who support Super League teams sticking together. What a <laughs> oh shock. wow, wow the pe- the person on the show that people actually like has getting some popular support. Who could have seen mm. that coming? Yeah, well, you know, both weeks I got paid, so it doesn't matter. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> all right. Speaking uh, of getting paid, yeah. Well, well, we did we did the Jack White thing. Don't try to do segues. It's not it's it's not your thing, buddy. That was yeah, no, I can't do it. Eh? <laughs> try to segue so into the thing we just talked about, no, not the next about, thing. Just talking about RTS. Well, maybe I should kick I you know. off this show. And speaking of getting kicked off, Sam Walker has been dropped by the Roosters. That's how you do it. Take some notes. Um, Sam Walker's been dropped by the Roosters for Anzac Day. Uh, Marty. Um, a big deal. I mean, this is a guy like Sam Walker's career has been very interesting so far. He burst onto the scene in 2021 was basically immediately anointed the next big thing. And I, I think it is fair to say that the 2022 and the start of 2023 seasons, he's kind of been okay. Yeah. And it's weird because he throws an epic pass against the storm to set up Jackson Barlow for the opening try. And people are like, okay, he's on here. From that moment, three weeks ago, he has just battled. Tick's going out on the full, passes going to no one. Tick's going like 15 metres. That, that's always been my knock on him. He just doesn't have a boot. Like, if see Cleary and Moses kicking for 50 metres every time, he's go 30 if if you're lucky. Uh, I was at uh, the Anzac Day launch on Thursday at Allianz Stadium. Uh, Tedesco and Kiri were both there, and they were both saying, look, he was a bit disappointed when he heard the news, but... He'll go to reserve grade. He'll do his thing. He'll work his way back. And I think he will. But imagine if we're in round 11, round 12, and he's still not in the team. The Roosters have won five in a row. Joey Manu's killing it. Luke Peary's taking over and setting up tries like we know he can. If that's the case, what avenue does he have to then get back into the team, barring injury or suspension? And then the talk of the Tigers or the Broncos or someone coming in to get him will... We'll just ramp up. Like, we have a joke on the show that we've had for a while where Sam Walker is the kid. He's Sam the kid Walker, right? Because beloved guest host and fellow Storm fam, M. Sprouster, dubbed him as as the kid, called him the kid. He is still just a kid. Derisively he, called him the kid. It's important. Yeah, I know. Him. But I'm just saying, it's important to remember that he is still just a kid. He's 20, he's 20 years old. You know, I was surprised to, I was surprised when I looked him up earlier this week. And saw how young he still was, you know, like getting dropped to reserve grade is part of a lot of young players pathways to greatness, 
You know, it's a big part of it. A lot of really good Roosters players spent time in reserve grade. Joe Manu got dropped to reserve grade for about half a season um, in 2017, I think it was, before he sort of became one of the best centers in the world. Latrell Mitchell got dropped to reserve grade for a little bit there as well, you know. So while, because because the Roosters are the Roosters, right, and because Walker had such a hot start and won Rookie of the Year and all of that, it's always going to make a lot of noise when he does get dropped like this. But I think something had to be shaken up at the Roosters. And I know there's a lot of Roosters fans that were upset that, you know, Radley didn't get dropped or Kiri didn't get dropped or something like that. But I think a bit of time in reserve grade where he's going to brain it, he's going to kill him. And he's going to carve up and maybe get a little bit of that attacking confidence back. I think will be a good thing for him in the long run. You know, I think like when this happened, people were talking about it like it was the end of his career. Like it's just, it's a thing yeah, that happens. Still, a, so young. Yeah, it's a thing that happens to lots of young halves along the way. You know, I I don't know how it'll go for him in first grade because I've never actually liked Kiri as a halfback that much. I've never really liked him as an organizer at all. Like Bungard, you'll remember the Kiri Walker halves combo. Grim, terrible. Really both like incredibly two, good players. Yeah, but, that's the thing. Two yeah. great players, but just oil and like, water, mate. Not, just a, didn't not a great fit. And Joe Manu can be an effective 5-8, but I don't think he's an especially creative one. He just runs runs the ball up. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe mm. they just need someone that's going to straighten up the attack a little bit. But um yeah, this this is this is what happens with young players. There's teething problems. Development isn't isn't always linear and all that. Mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting that within 24 hours of Walker getting dropped, there was a story coming out that sources in his camp were, were didn't like the coaching that he was getting from, from Cooper Cronk. Um, and I think Sam Walker is at the point now where he's got to make his own decisions with, uh, with things like this, you know, but I think, I think Cooper Cronk, Probably he knows more about halfback play than most people. He's forgotten more about it than most people will ever know in their entire lives. And maybe they're trying to turn Walker into something that he's not. They're trying to turn Walker into a controlling, organizing cerebral player when instinctive play is, is one of his great strengths. But I'm willing to back Cooper Cronk's judgment on halfbacks. Like almost almost to the hill, you know? So Yeah. I mean I, I think that's more than that. Angus Crichton back is is great for the Roosters. So Yep, absolutely. That's positive. I do enjoy their fan base just going absolutely hog wild whenever they lose a couple of games. They just want to drop everyone every time. Well, that's it's it. great. The, think of the patience, like 2018 when Kronk does get there. Like their attack was terrible for the first seven or eight games. It, it, it and, took time. It took and time. And included a belting at the hands of the Dragons on Anzac Day when Kronk literally got belted by Terry Sims a few times, but it worked out. They won two comps. So just give it a bit of time, I think, and I'm sure they'll be okay. They heard it first. Martin Gabor says the Roosters are winning 2023 and 2024 premierships. I heard he said. I heard he said they're going to retroactively be awarded the 2022 premiership as well. Oh, con- congratulations to the Roosters! Yeah, congratulations, belated congratulations. Yeah. Well done to them. Uh, one last bit of news before we get out of here. Um, yeah, p- apparently. I'm uh, oh, sorry, no. Uh, two last bits of news. So really quickly, uh, Dane Laurie playing five eight in reserve grade this week, Marty. What's that about? Yeah, so a bit of controversy. Apparently, he told a media scrum yesterday on Thursday that he was going to come off the bench. He was looking forward to it. Didn't know what his role was going to be, but he was excited for the challenge. And then about three minutes later, apparently, he's gone and told another journalist that, no, no, I'm not playing first grade. I'll be playing 5-8 in reserve grade. That's always been the plan. Um, it's such a weird one. Like, he's gone from the next big thing at that club to... You know what, fourth, fifth choice now in the in the depth chart. Well, um, he's behind. One sec. 
Um, Jareem Buller in the pecking order. So, yeah. Jareem Buller. Here we feels are. Like, feels, feels like he's on the way out of here, doesn't he? He's off contract. Panthers fan. Does he go back to Penrith? Does he go to another club? There's definitely talent there, but it's such a weird one because I thought his first few games with the Tigers were actually pretty good. And now he's just fallen so far can out. He, the, can he play anywhere other than, like, is he big enough to play center or wing in the NRL? Well, I think he came through more as a five-eight than a fullback, okay. and he sort of got put into fullback because that was the spot that was available to so him. So Canberra's losing their five-eight, Nick. If they got Dane, they got Dane Laurie as a, I'd be really, I'd be really yeah, stoked. Okay, I, I think that I think that'd be a really good get for for the rate for the Raiders. Yeah. Um, he is a Penrith boy. He probably like he probably keen on going back there. I can definitely see a future where Stephen Crichton is off to the Bulldogs. Dane mm. Laurie comes back on like a minimum wage deal, plays center, and kills it somehow. What? Yeah, yeah. That, that we could, like save, a you could save a million dollars by letting Jerome Luai leave and playing Dane Laurie at six. Something to think about if you're the Penrith Panthers. And this probably deserves more time, but we are running out of Roger Tuivasa-Shek coming back to Rugby League to play for the Warriors. Campo, he could, though, be coming back to take the spot of another beloved double-barrel surnamed Warriors fullback. Which kind of sucks because Nickel Clues has been amazing this year, but it is great to see Tuivasa Shek back in the NRL. So, what do you? How are you feeling? Well, yeah, like it's always great to see somebody come back from from rugby, and I think nearly all the big name league players that have gone to rugby over the last twenty years, or so, nearly every single one of them has come back and and ended their career playing league again. And I think it's it's a good thing for the Warriors because he ha- he was such an important player for them when he went over there the first time, winning the fir- the club's first Dally M. I think he was a real tower of strength for them as well in those really difficult COVID years. So it's great to see him coming back. I, I got to be honest with you though. I I wonder if he's going to walk straight back into that fullback spot. I don't think mm. it's a fate accompli, you know, because making that transition back from rugby or, or from a, from another sport is not always, is not always easy. It can somewhat times take a guy a year or so to get back up to speed, you know, especially someone who is like two of us Shek at the, closer to the end of his career than the start. Um, I'm not writing anything off with this. I, I, I think the sky could really be the limit for, 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 for two of us to check, but you know, maybe he comes back and he plays in the centers for a year and then he goes back to fullback or maybe he plays half a year in the centers or, 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 or something like that, you know, but yeah, um, I, I think yeah, it's, it's a realistic a, chance. He doesn't play fullback. Like, yeah. yeah to me be. too. Cause, Cause chances, chances have been killing it. Yeah. Mate, like maybe slots in it at five eight or something like that, you know, That's alongside Sean thinking. Johnson, and 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 they have and they have you know, the three the three nice boys in the spine of Nickel Cookstad Johnson and two of us. That is a nice. Out. That is a nice boy spine. Yeah, that'd be very exciting for everybody. But I think this and is Wade, Wade, Wade Egan's their naughty friend, that, <laughs> whose whose parents let them watch movies that are they're, above yeah. the classification rating. They're going to be rowdy Lithgow cousin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like it's been a really great season for the Warriors so far, and this is sort of. A real, I think, endorsement of the direction that the clubs that the clubs going in. The two of Arsenal was able to come back like this. Let me throw mm. a a wild possibility at you, right? So the Rugby World Cup starts in the first week of September. Okay. Yep. So I, I'm assuming that the nations will name all their squads in like early to mid August. Mm. So imagine a world where the Warriors are locked in a top eight battle. Two of Arsashek misses selection for the All Blacks World Cup squad, which is probably going to happen. Parachutes in for the last month of the competition. Are they are they are they allowed to do that? Like well, if that well, happened. Well, Sonny Bill was allowed Sonny. to do it 
back in 2020 when he came back from the Roosters. There's a there's the there's the mid-season there's the deadline for mid-season transfers. But the way the Roosters got around it is Sonny Bill was not coming from another rugby league club. He was coming from another Right. Sport. Okay. So if the Warriors cite that precedent, they should be able to get away with it. So imagine two of us a Sheck dropping but, in for the last so month of the season. That'd was be that crazy. because I like I know that was September, but was that anything to do with the fact that because of COVID it was still the regular season. There's still a bunch of rounds left, or is it a time? Was it a time-based thing? I'm not sure. Like uh, th- this, this timeline is assuming that two of Arsashek can come back in like round 23 or something like okay. that. Not like, oh, okay, okay. Not like not like prelim final. Yeah, all right. They break right. the glass. That means yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool. Like Alfie coming back for Origin. That'd be sick. <laughs> I'd love that. Is he like I don't watch rugby at all? Is he is he actually not going to make their squad? Probably not. Probably. Wow. He pl- he, he, well, he played for him. I think he, he debuted for him last year and he did okay, but he's. He's had the misfortune of coming along at a time when the All Blacks are probably at a bit of a low ebb, probably their lowest ebb that they've been mm. in, in, in my lifetime, definitely, um, which just throws a lot of things into flux. And I think a coach is less likely to take a chance on yeah. a league convert if the chips are down and people are sort of fired up about the All Blacks not being all they should be. I think he, I would say he's been a success over there because any time that you can make okay. a team like the All Blacks, you've, you've definitely made the most of it but um yeah i think he's up against it to yeah i mean there's, there's players the like so many good backs as well, yeah like tana so Umanga, ma nonu joe rokoko <laughs> <laughs> uh man I, I it's bizarre it's like rugby used to be such a cultural touchstone in australia that like there were dudes that not not just australian dudes like all black dudes that everyone knew like everyone knew carlos spencer and dan carter and stuff was i don't think i could tell you a single all black now does Bowden barrett still play for them he does Okay, Cruden. Got some, got some brothers. Cruden's gone. Okay, well there we go. I got one. It's enough. Uh, Marty, <laughs> before we get out of here, uh, anything right? You've got your own podcast, which we're in the process of buying out. And by buying out, I mean throwing a rock through your window. <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, yeah, uh, rugby league hot takes uh, comes out uh, every. You want to say Thursday? Yes, definitely. Makes Thursday. me want pancakes when I see the little well, graphics. Yeah, pancakes. There is definitely a pancake portion. You have to make a prediction every week. If you get it wrong. You get a pancake added to your Italian at the, at the end of the season. You have to do a big fat stack. If you get it right, which only one person has got their prediction right this season, you then give your pancake. Oh, okay. Else. That's fun. It is fun. That's It's pancake or be pancaked. Yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly right. right. And uh, yeah, you mentioned New Sport a couple of times earlier. Did you see my byline there? Click on it. And if you can um, navigate the 73 pages of tipsters in the, on the, on the <laughs> yeah. Telegram's tipping page, there. You, can, there. you can see Marty's tips as well. Uh, and if you don't follow Marty on Twitter, what's your handle again, Marty? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, Martin J. Gabor. There that'll go. work. Yeah. What does we've J all lost, stand for? Uh, J is for uh, Jeremiah. No, Journalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we all lost our blue ticks this morning as well. Very sad day. Yes, I had one. Yes, I lost Oh. <laughs> oh, we, now you can say that and we just people yeah, just believe sure, sure. congratulations uh, before we get out of here quick shout out to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. Uh, you get access to our discord server uh, a third bonus podcast every single week uh, plenty of other things as well and we have a venue for our magic round meetup now which will be revealed closer to the date but the deposit has been paid Campo it's it's all locked in uh, I, and uh, you, you've agreed to tell one yarn per patron uh, if they come up and visit you well, no, I will. I will be reviving my famous magic round offer. Where it's a if, terrible. You're going to lose so much money. If, no, the, if this someone, is not no, coming out of the podcast account. No, no, dude. <laughs> no, 
I'm I'm the beneficiary here. If you come up to me in Magic Round and you buy me a beer, we will have one yarn about the '90s or 2000s NRL player of your choice. No time limits. Oh, I thought it was going to be the Warney, the Warney one. Where no, that's still active too. No one's ever actually I, hit me up on that. Yeah, it's bizarre. I I well, I don't. Yeah, it, it, which is of course that if you if you you will you will buy someone a beer and talk about Shane Warne with them at any point. Yep, that's right. If it has to be a VB or a Crowny. If those beers aren't available, then the the offered the offer. Warney would Warney wouldn't stand for drinking a Forex. He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't. That's true. In a pinch, perhaps. In a pinch. In, uh, if there was nothing else available, if he needed to yeah. wash down. And by and by nothing clothes. else, we mean just not crown lagers. <laughs> <laughs> what a king, shame. Yeah, if you see uh, me at magic round. Buy me a beer. We can Are you coming up, Marty? Talk about a footy player. No, so a week off. So I'm going to spend a few nights in Bathurst after the game next week. Uh, I might go to Orange for a day or two. Went to Union at CSU in Bathurst. So I'm uh, saying that's oh. where the magic happens. Summer, we're not. Thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi Stew, Talakai Tamed Manu, Alex Sergikomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Life on Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Spinmore, Luke Ferguson, Matty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my team's bench is your team's marquee, my ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Woz, and West Lives Podcast. Thank you so much for your support. To everyone in lower tiers and to everyone who just listens, thank you as well. Well, a fine, upstanding class of people, a better class of people, some mm. are saying. Um, Westlife Podcast, don't forget, you got to nominate next week's and we'll oh, he won't. this guy. He's, he's probably <laughs> already got a spreadsheet up working out which one to nominate. And quick housekeeping note, we'll be back on Monday with the regular yeah, we're gonna, review gonna show, the and then we'll preview the two Anzac Day games, and then we'll be back on, thir- on Friday. Friday morning yeah. as per usual, and we'll yeah. review uh, the Thursday night game, the two Anzac Day games. And fuck around and do all the other stuff we yep. usually do. Quick, uh, quick double shout out to Josh Brandon, by the way. He's visiting from overseas. He wants to go to a game. He wants to go as many games as he could while he was here. So, uh, Poppy's still a bit sick. So, we didn't, I, uh, my family didn't go to the game last night. So, if Josh hadn't wanted to just go to the South game, even though he's a Roosters fan, wouldn't have gone, wouldn't have been there for that amazing game. So, shout out to him. All right. Marty, thank you so much for coming on. I think you had, had a pretty good debut. If you were doing player ratings, how would you, how would you rate yourself? Oh, six and a half out of ten. But did, the, were, the did a bit early. Did a bit early, <laughs> got got gassed. Um, the highlight for me was Nick Campton dropping some French. A fait accompli. I love it, Nick. More yeah. this. That's all he knows, though. So Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Walk all, around uh, Paris is saying fait accompli <laughs> to people. It was that and steak fritz. <laughs> <laughs> Could go for some fritz right now, actually. That's yeah. pretty. Oh, I've got some frozen hash browns in the freezer. Might might put them in the air fryer. Who knows? Stream of All consciousness right. here from from Bertrand. Hell yeah! All right, say goodbye, Marty. Uh, goodbye. Say goodbye, Campo. See you, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>